Oh, hey guys, what's going on? We got another episode of The Strange Road for you. I'm your host, Mikey, and of course, as always, the bro host, Bub. Hey! We got Stoner and Disbro in master control, hanging out tonight, making sure everything is looking and sounding dope as usual. We appreciate the hell out of all you guys. Who we got here tonight? Sess in the city. What's happening? Um, appreciate all you guys stopping by with us tonight. Um, we've got a good show. We've got a bunch of uh, <clears throat> good articles to cover. We're kind of all over the place like usual. What's happening, Necro? I What's can hear on? you. Yeah. There we go. Sorry about that. Game on. The mute the old laptop. <clears throat> um, but yeah, uh, tonight, great show. You excited? How you feeling? Bob? Always. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think it's the the time change. Seasonal change. Sun's going down a little earlier like now. Like it's dark. Man, it's dark. It's creepy out in that hallway again when you go to the bathroom here. Real dark. <laughs> real early. So it might be the afternoon and you're freaked out. Yeah. But uh, no, doing good. Pumped. Cool. Um, but you guys can always find us on Spotify. Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, like, subscribe. Uh, share this video on YouTube. Uh, you know, the reviews. If you guys could write some reviews. For us, if you haven't done that already, write if you a review. feel so inclined, we would in, appreciate it. Yeah, an Apple podcast really, really helps the show. Uh, what's happening, Midnight Watchers, uh, Midwest Night Watchers, what's going on? Um, you guys can support the show. We have uh, Super Stickers and Super Chats available tonight. We do. Great way to support the show. Help us keep all the operations and everything going down here. Helps us with the subscriptions, all the things that we um, use to make all the thumbnails and all the artwork and and just keep the, you know, the gas in the tank, in the engine, uh, oil in the engine. You know what I mean? Keep, I know keep what you mean. Keep the thing rolling. I know what you mean. Yeah, so we appreciate all of that, Jay Lamb. What is up, dude? Um, but uh, we've got uh, what, what did I forget? Anything? You can follow us on Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, um, the Facebook group Strange Road Hitchhikers. Go check us out. Uh, but of course, as always, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, check out our episodes that have been coming out. If you haven't been watching them, sometimes people uh, just watch maybe the strange happenings and they don't check out the interview episodes. We've had some really good ones, some really great guests. Yep. Um, so just check those. I mean, the Crystal Skull, Daryl Nichols was great. Yep. Zeus was great. Michael Stray was great. Tobias was great. I mean, we've we've had a lot of good interviews that have come out that yep. I think I'm, people might just be a little overwhelmed. Yeah, with, uh, the amount of content. We keep Will from Incredible right History. Will from Incredible History. Appreciate was amazing. all you guys that yeah, came out to that premiere. That was one of the bigger premieres that we've had in a while. So yeah. thanks for showing up for that. Yeah, supporting us there. Oh boy! Um, but you know we've been keeping in contact with Will. We would love to uh, be able to connect with him. He might be in Ohio in the spring, so we would try to line something up. I would love to be able to link uh, up with him on some <clears throat> kind of excursion or just you know a little shenanigan yep. and get out and do some dronage and. Uh, do yeah. some exploring. It'd be fun Absolutely. just to talk shop too. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's all I've got. Um, yeah, so we can hop right into it. You can dive we, in. We've uh, got everything covered. I think we're good. How you want to divvy this? How you want to dice it? You just want to go? Go ahead. Uh, we're going to start off with this one from uh, the Singular Fortean um, Society. Shout out to Tobias and Emily. That's right. And this is uh, September 28th of this year. And this is uh, going into one of our favorites, a uh, Mothman article. <clears throat> uh, there is a warning, and I'll I'll 
I'll, I'll bleep them out. I won't drop all the uh, curse words that are coming, but there's some explicit language. <laughs> so we're going to make it a little bit more PC and digestible. But um, we'll try to sum this up a little bit and not go and, and beat a dead horse with this. But um, Lon Strickler of Phantoms and Monsters recently uh, received the following report from a Chicago area woman who said that she had seen a tall red-eyed creature while driving through uh, Camp Pine Woods near the De Plains River. And this is the account. It says, I was driving Thursday night at 10 p.m. on September 7th, 2023 of this year, on my way to pick up food in the Glenview area. And then prior to picking up my food, I had a super uneasy feeling. I felt like, you know, very brain foggy and just out of it. Um, really wasn't focused. You know, I want to think it's stress because of working, you know, 9 to 5. So as I was driving on Westlake Avenue, I was listening to music and singing along to my favorite playlist. Wasn't really thinking much. I drove by the cemetery earlier on River Road, which I hate driving by. I started obviously feeling pretty spooked, like out of nowhere. I don't know why I was psyching myself out, but I continued to not pay mind to that feeling and kept singing along to my music. It was Lady Gaga, so I was definitely singing my heart out, right? So this girl's getting after it. So she said, I kept driving, and as I drove by the forest on Westlake Avenue, I quickly saw a strange creature standing still on the right-hand side of the road. She said that she wanted to believe it was a deer, but this thing was six to seven feet tall standing upright. Deer don't do that question mark. Now, I will say... Deer can stand on their hind legs. I mean, it's not like they can do that. Are they capable of it? Yes. Do they do it? I don't know. Is it something they do for fun? Is it a stance they take often as cars drive by on the road? I've never seen one kick up and rear up, but it's possible. So we'll skip over that. She also said it had a dark gray cement-like colored body, and its eyes gave out the same red as bicycle reflectors do. That's what made her look. She said when I like quickly locked eyes with it, my stomach dropped, and I got scared. The same feeling you get when riding a roller coaster. So get that kind of drop. And then I, she said— I will say when I was at Mothman Festival, yeah. and at night we were driving out to the TNT plant to do the hayride. Yeah. Uh, there's reflectors in everyone's yard. They put reflectors up in the trees. That's like just On evil. that road. That's so creepy. Where the Mothman— uh, the first four people, the sightings where they're following them in the car and scratching on top of the roof, that road you take all the way out there, that whole time there's reflectors in everyone's yard with little red eyes in the woods. What if the Mothman is hiding out and all that then? Hey, you know, boy that cried wolf, bud. No, what if no, there's I'm a real saying, Mothman out there? Th there could the be, eyes. but I'm just saying, like, if you put all those red eyes out and then there are red eyes, what if he's is just he hanging drunk? out in them? Right. Yeah. Popping his eyes open, hanging out in all the reflectors. So I'm saying, like, that's dangerous if the Mothman really is chilling out there. Right. He's like, you guys made it too easy for me. I was already, like, top of the game without all this. Like It's like Sasquatch, <laughs> like, getting, you know, getting an upper hand and being the hide-and-seek champion. Um, she said she quickly sped up to the coming light, right? So once this happens, she sees this creature on the side of the road as she's driving, she gets up to the intersection because she's like, I do not want to be alone right now. I want to get up near other people because this happened. There was no other cars around. So she gets up there, and then she's she's telling herself, nope, that was a deer. That was a deer. You didn't see anything. That was a deer. Like she's you know almost just having this like panic attack, right? Like when uh, Robin Williams' ex-wife and Mrs. Doubtfire finds out that Robin Williams is Mrs. Doubtfire, and she's like, I have to go. We're leaving. We have to go now. Yeah. I have to go. We're leaving. <laughs> this chick is like, that was a deer. Um, she said though, she went, got her food, drove home on a different highway and just like somehow just didn't even think about it. Right. She just went to work the next day and just like drifted out and, and didn't really think about it. But then she said she woke up the next day and she couldn't stop thinking about it. So she told her coworker what happened. 
She had a coworker that was probably like a coworker like you and I back in the day that yeah. were in the conspiratorial topic, and she said to him what had the happened. And person and, in the office that's into weird, you know, you can absolutely. talk to us about, and they'll they'll probably believe you and give you advice on what to do. All right, water cooler talk. Yeah. So this this coworker told her, um, oh, that's the Mothman, you know, and they've been, you know, that's been seen all over Chicago, especially around the O'Hare Airport area, and then so. Um, this lady did some research. She saw the Google Maps sightings and had to reach out, said she had never thought that she would be doing something like this. But, hey, here I am. Whatever these things are, I hope they're nice. That's her account. I mean, to be there's, yeah, there's some there's some more like uh, detailed account later on. It's kind of rehashing of that story. But it's I think it's just interesting that, again, like. This is recent. This is now. Like, this isn't yeah. something that stops. Like, like or... Tobias said when we had him on, he, you know, uh, Expedition X. I've been watching that on HBO okay. Max now. But they have all the all the season of Josh Gates' Expedition X and the Chicago Mothman. And our boy Tobias was the go-to guy. They interviewed him up on top of the Sears Tower where, you know, they're trying to figure out if, if that sighting. It's a really famous photograph that was taken of this thing. Way, way up in the sky off this ledge off of the Sears Tower. So, like, is it a guy in a wingsuit? So they went and, and talked to base jumpers, talked to the professionals. They're like, you would never do a base jump off of that. There's no way. And that's just a dumb idea. Nobody I know would be up there jumping in that direction. It's it's a terrible. So that was completely discounted. Um, but... You know, these, these sightings persist in the Chicago area. They're all over. There's a forest or a nature preserve outside of Chicago that's actually kind of an old-growth forest. Yeah. And out there is where they have a ton of Mothman sightings as well. So it's it's over the lake. It's all around the suburbs. It's the Chicago, greater Chicago area. So, Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that one's that one's. You ready to move on from that? Yeah. Do you want to do the next one? You sure. want to do it? I can do it. Go for it. So the next one we got an, another one from Singular Forty and Society. Tobias and Emily Wayland. Four official sightings of Loch Ness monster reported in August. Yeah, baby. So they're just kind of now reporting on this, probably gathering all the information and so forth. Our um, underwater ally. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you know, Expedition X did a. a, a an episode on Champ. Champ. I think Champ might be more compelling than Nessie. I think he's already got a leg up just with the name alone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he sound, Nessie sounds messy and Champ is just Champ. Well, it's kind of the OG, but, you know, Champ's, I think the legends of him has been around just as long. Yeah. Early settlers. But here we go. Four reports published in August by the official Loch Ness Monster Sightings Register. Bring the total number of reported Nessie is the monster is affectionately known, sightings up to seven so far in 2023. The first sighting... Is that a lot? Sorry, just... I would, would you say think, that's a higher or low? I What's didn't realize there number? was even five in the last 10 years, bro. You keep you keep going on with that. I'm going to get a little stats running here. Yeah, I'm going to do some, some behind-the-scenes stats while you're doing this. Go ahead. So the first sighting came around 1 p.m. on August 17th from Steve Val- Valentine, who was living... Uh, visiting Scotland's Loch Ness while on holiday from Ermston in Manchester with his family. They were returning from a tour of the loch when Valentine 
said he spotted something from the deep scan boat they were abroad uh, they were aboard. I just saw a black shape in the water, he said. It was when we were returning to the dock near Iroquois Castle. I lost sight of it when the boat turned, but managed to get a quick photo from the distance. And then if you scroll down just a tad, there's a very low-resolution photo, which, like, I don't know if his cell phone was just from, like, 2005 or what, but it, you it's know. not great. It looks it's like a, a guy kind of hanging out, floating in an inner tube a little bit. Yeah. Or maybe it's a fish that jumped out of water. Who knows? Uh, the next two sightings took place on consecutive days during the investigation of Loch Ness by independent volunteer research organization Loch Ness Exploration, the largest investigation of its kind since 1972. <clears throat> At 3.20 p.m. on August 26, Alistair Gray said that he saw something unusual about halfway across the loch from his position near Inverse Morrison, Inverse Morrison while participating in the investigation. Gray, a civil servant, reportedly saw three odd, seemingly connected shapes in the water. One part of the shape was sticking out of the water at a 45-degree angle as two humps appeared to be rising and falling as though the object was moving. True little sketch there, too. <laughs> uh, then, on August 27th at 11.26 a.m., a local resident, Seabon Janaway, said there's something causing turmoil in the water off Foyer's Point. Then it coalesced into a single object moving at the speed just under the surface, causing at least a 20-meter white wake. Although Janaway at first thought a boat might be responsible for the wake, she claimed there was no boats near the location at the time of her sighting. Janaway's sighting is similar to that of French tourist Edouine Camel, a pharmacist from Lyon, who, along with his wife Elaine, claimed to have seen a 65-foot-long dark object moving below the surface of Loch Ness while visiting the area on June 15th of this year. And that's a photo there, <clears throat> a photograph of the wake seen by Janaway. I mean, that's a big, giant it's wake, a big wake. Bro. That's a big one. That's I huge. wonder though look how at the smaller ones out. Uh, yeah, I wonder how clear the water it. is of Loch Ness. Like, is it like ocean no, clear? It's is it murky. crystal clear? It's murky. How do you describe a sixty-five foot body if you can't see that deep into the water? Whatever. I'm just just you know talking off the top here. Here is another stat for you though. So you said we had seven this year so far. So the usual number is ten to twenty. Sightings a year of Loch Ness. Monster. Really? That many? Yeah. Wow. Average. It's a good it average. Says, and this is it's from uh, visit InvernessLochNess.com. Um, it's a nice website. Um, they said, yeah, the this leaves from 10 to 20 unexplained sightings each year. They have more than that in sightings a year, but the ones that are actually legit, yeah. um, like kind of like the UFO, UAP sifting and gold panning for that, you know. You get four thousand of them. You get forty-five. If you got forty-five, geez, and me yeah. on four thousand, you're swinging pretty good numbers there. I think they're plesiosaurs, man. I don't know how they would have survived, or if there's like underground caves that connect. Well, instead of mosasaur too, maybe right? Or no, not mosasaur. Sorry, that's that's, that's we're we'll coming get up there. on that. We'll get there. Yeah, Jesus. we're mixing we our sea of, monsters up. <laughs> it's like Jurassic Park of 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 strange happenings tonight. I love it. <laughs> Uh, so there you go. There's a couple other accounts, too. If you guys are interested, we'll have those links. But uh, great great articles there, both of them by Tobias and Emily. Singular 40 and Society, go check them out. 
this next one, Bob, you, you you should read this one because this one. This is next one, yeah, I'll try to summarize some stuff. And, and very interesting. <clears throat> we were prepping for the show today. This one blew my mind a little bit. This is awesome because this is all the stuff I've been, it's the audio good. books and, yeah. and things I've been tapping into here lately. Oh, hey, thank you so it's much, Whoa. Uh, Burton. Much love, man. Appreciate yes, that. Thank you. Uh, what's Thank the you, what's Bert. the super chat say, Bob? Can you read it? Oh, dude, I want to spend a year looking for Nessie. Local legends, Burton Moran. If you can set let's, that up, let's get the Winnebago or whatever. Let's find investors for that. Sands, Walter White, Cooking Meth. We'll go out there looking <laughs> hey, for Nessie. Yeah, why right? not? But we'll get the we'll get the 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 Rambler, you know, and we'll go out there and we'll go hunt. I could do that. Yeah, I don't. I'd be down for that. So, oh, I'm us, not scuba diving. Are you well, kidding me? We'd have to get somebody that would. Knows how to do that. Burton, you know how to scuba you dive? You don't need to scuba dive to find it's, Nessie. Well, it would help. Okay, you got how about the water? How about this? Get me one of those dolphin sonar. Get me one of those dolphin personal watercrafts and or I'll go in one of those. We get a little ROV drone. You ever seen those? Those are cool. We're not going in the one. I'll, I'll operate the ROV. Burton, you're getting in the water, bud. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Look what you started with what you did. Look what you did. Thank you, Burton. <laughs> So oh, man, go get fun. your scuba license. We'll get be your on. scuba license. <laughs> okay, so this one is going to be a uh, Ace Ventura mouthful hot air coming out here, so just bear with me. But this is October <laughs> of this year. This is Matthew uh, Connolly on Human Cost of Secret Science. And this is from LidHub.com, how U.S. intelligence agencies hid their most shameful experiences. Uh, not experiences. Experiments. Experiments. Um, although proponents of secret science like to focus on examples in which it has benefited society, insiders from the very beginning of the Cold War worried that the best minds would not be drawn to work that they could even talk about. Secrecy protected those involved from embarrassment of criminal prosecution, but it also made it much harder to vet experimental protocols, validate the results, or replicate them in follow-up research. One research manager at Department of Energy Weapons Lab would later admit, quote, Far more progress is actually evidenced in the unclassified fields of research than the classified ones. The physicist Robert McCrory, whose own lab received millions in funding in partnership with Lawrence Livermore Sandia and Los Alamos National Laboratories, was Imagine even that. more blunt. Imagine that. Right? Those two places involved. <laughs> quote, some of the work is so poor. This is, what, this is what the quote was. Some of the work is so poor that if it were declassified, it would be laughed off the face of the earth. We can only guess what specifically McCrory had in mind when he said this. There are all too many possibilities. Collectively, they lend credence to the off-state concern that the secret programs became a refuge for second- and third-rated minds. The Wizards of Langley, for instance, considered a remarkable achievement of science when they managed to prove that cats could be trained to move short distances. <clears throat> According to a CIA veteran, Victor Marchetti, this achievement was part of a program to determine whether cats could be turned into surveillance devices. Now, this part, you got to <laughs> bear in mind, this is real. This is government-funded classified research. And declassified and now uh, available. After, but at yeah. the time, this is mm -hmm. what they're saying. If you took this classified research and brought a lot of it out, most people would go, we not even do the good part about this. I don't what, even know how to make it a comparison. Right, we'll get to it. Okay, so oh my God. here we go. It's his quote, and he says, A lot of money was spent. They slit the cat open, <laughs> put batteries in him, wired him up. The tail was used as an antenna. They made a monstrosity. They tested him and tested him. They found he would walk off the job when he got hungry. So they put another wire in to override that. 
Finally, they're ready. They took it out to a park and pointed it at a park bench and said, listen to those two guys. Don't listen to anything else, not the birds or dog or cat, just through two, just those two guys. They put him out, out of the van, and a taxi comes and runs him over. They were sitting there in the van with all those dials, and the cat was dead. Unbelievable. It, it, it's, it's like millions of dollars. Of the cat. That's such karma. Not for the cat. Not for the cat. For them. I feel bad for the cat. He yeah. only had one life. He didn't get an opportunity for a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Here's where I don't life. understand this kind of, of a uh, environment either. Is just follow me here. The CIA nevertheless commended the energy and imagination of the team and considered them potential models for scientific pioneers. I have never <laughs> concocted that'd be like me being a chef and coming out and making the most like terrible pizza or the worst soup ever, or whatever it is. And like you give me a five star Michelin review, like it's just straight up garbage. Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like that—that's real. Who? I mean, the people that cook that cooked some of these things up. It's like, what were they smoking? What were they had to be? Oh, on? it gets it, better. It gets better. It, that's not even the. That just yeah, starts. Keep that's going. an appetizer. This, this one's great. So they say it could be argued that a sprawling research program, purposely designed to push the envelope, will over several decades inevitably produce some strange and low quality research. But in some cases, it's possible to make a side-by-side comparison of U.S. government research with research commissioned by another country that had fewer resources but the same goal. For instance, during World War II, the Americans and British forces both used dogs to detect mines. It was delicate, dangerous work, and the dogs sometimes proved unreliable. Both governments therefore mounted research projects in the early 1950s to evaluate and improve dogs' ability to locate mines. So the British just wanted, quote, the facts and sought out trained scientists. They selected Sully Zuckerman, an anatomist, expert in animal behavior. He designed the experiment to eliminate the possibility that human handlers were unconsciously influencing the dog's performance. Um, And this required systematically isolating the specific biochemical and physiological factors that might explain success or failure, since either could prove important when minds were odorless, right? So... Basically, you don't want to influence the dog. That dog just needs to know how to find that mine. It can't have a human intervention. There's no odor. Like, it just the way they're trying to train, right? So Zuckerman had a strong personal motivation. He had seen the devastating impact of blast injuries when he conducted wartime physiological research with the survivors. His larger agenda was to develop more rigorous experimental methods in animal research. Zuckerman found no solid evidence that dogs could be relied on to detect buried mines. The U.S. Army, on the other hand, hired a parapsychologist named J.B. Ryan. It is not clear why. All the Army records were later destroyed. Though his training was in botany, Ryan had become famous for his experiments, which were never replicated in ESP, or extrasensory perception and psychokinesis. Um, For Ryan, the study uh, was an opportunity to prove that ESP really existed, so he was really jazzed about it. He had already gathered a collection of amazing stories of animal ESP. Ryan once again convinced himself that dogs possess special powers. <laughs> um, this is the this is Jeff Bridges from the, the Man Who Stared. I, I think so. And yeah. so, yeah, it gets wild. So Army officials found in follow-up work that the results were random, and another study proved to be a complete failure, marked by a rather, quote, conspicuous refusal of the dogs to alert. But Ryan used the money to sow uh, new research and found new customers. The Office of Naval Research funded a decade of work on ESP and homing pigeons. 
In other studies, uh, one of Ryan's colleagues tried to influence a cat telepathically to select one dish of food over another. But here, too, even Ryan admitted that the results were, quote, not spectacular. Not Alas, great. the cats proved, quote, elusive. <laughs> cats aren't the, those those animals have. They're on one. They're on their own thing. Cats don't care. You're not going to get a cat. That's about a cat. They, they don't want to do. Cat's about itself and living and taking yeah. care of itself. Like, like you said, they're going to break away, go get a snack. Right. Go jack a bird. Right. So they lobotomized that part of that cat. And then once they had him ready, they set him out of the van and he got run over. Scroll down to Gottlieb. Hold on. We got a little bit yet. Okay. Here. So okay. the U.S. government the U.S. government would spend several decades on the larger program of mind control research. And Ryan was a paragon of scientific rigor compared with some of the other researchers on the government payroll who espoused theories of extraterrestrial and ghostly visitations to explain ESP and were hired by the U.S. Army to consult on psychedelic mushrooms. The CIA's project MKUltra involved a whole series of experiments on unwitting subjects, using a range of different drugs in order to manipulate them into saying and doing things against their will. It was given carte blanche to operate without the normal agency accounting controls or need for written contracts. Once again, researchers rapidly escalated their trials with little understanding of the effects. In the first round of an experiment conducted at the New York State Psychiatric Institute, one of the patients, Harold Blower, was given 0.4 milligrams of methyl n dioxyphenyl isopropylamine, a drug similar to ecstasy. The next dose was 16 times stronger, and Blower was dead in 30 minutes. When the family took legal action, government lawyers threatened witnesses with prosecution under the Espionage Act. Decades later, CIA Director Stansfield Turner admitted that, quote, some unwitting testing took place, quote, clearly, but testified to Congress that the subjects were, quote, criminal sexual psychopaths confined at a state hospital. Not true. In fact, Blower was a tennis pro who voluntarily sought treatment for depression after a divorce. That's the guy who got... 16 times the dose and died 30 minutes later. The CIA also experimented on its own personnel. In one case, the head of MKUltra, a chemist named Sidney Gottlieb, dosed the attendees of a joint agency army retreat with LSD. One of the unwitting subjects, an army biochemist named Frank Olson, was traumatized by the experience. Wormwood. Yep. It's a documentary on uh, Netflix. Yep. Until then, Olson had been outgoing and devoted family man. Afterward, he sank into depression, overcome with the feelings of shame, and would not return home. He told his army supervisor that he wanted to be quit or fired. Gottlieb was likely alarmed, be, you know, upon being warned about the situation. So MK Ultra had been approved by the CIA director himself, Alan Dulles, right, who called the program ultra-sensitive. Who was also involved with the Kennedy assassination. Gottlieb was actually involved in the Kennedy assassination as well. The Dulles well. brothers go deep. Alan the and Dulles, John Foster but Dulles. But Gottlieb was the guy that visited Jack Ruby in jail. We can't go all that. We can't. After, we but can't. isn't that strange? It is. The last we, person to visit him in jail before Jack Ruby killed himself. We can't go that far. He's the dude that. We're going to get too far off. That offed. Uh, uh, what's his, your boy? Yes. Um, he's he's wrapped up into a lot of these things. You start digging in this Kennedy. stuff. Gottlieb. Took out Lee Harvey. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jack Ruby killed uh, yeah. Lee Harvey. And the last person. He was acting crazy. Yeah. He was fine in jail. Gottlieb well, sure, you go in and give him and a he's, drug. He's, of, they dosed him. Or what something. if they figured out how to give him like a tablet that was like taking DMT for four weeks straight 
Right. And the guy just literally lost his mind. Yeah. Yeah. He started acting. He synthesized crazy. the chemical. It was so strong that literally it's just like your brain just turns to jelly and you're seeing colors and sounds forever. Yeah. Uh, but anywho, so after the quote of Alan Dulles, the CIA director calling MK Ultra, quote, ultra sensitive, yeah. Gottlieb reportedly had not obtained prior authorization before drugging Olson and the others, right? Clearly. So as an internal agency report later noted, participants in this work well understood that their methods were, quote, professionally unethical and legally dubious <laughs> and would provoke serious adverse reaction from the public if ever revealed. Gottlieb, therefore, had a powerful motivation to make certain Olson told no one about the CIA and what they had done to him. Gottlieb and his deputy decided to take Olson to see a New York doctor. The man had no psychiatric training but did have a top-secret CIA security clearance and experience with LSD. The doctor plied Olson with bourbon and sedatives and took him to see a performance by a magician whom <laughs> Gottlieb was interested in hiring to help <laughs> dose more unwitting targets. What? Olson's public behavior became increasingly erratic, and he said that the agency was out to get him. The doctor said he would take Olson to a sanitarium to be treated by CIA psychiatrists. But that night, Olson, quote, unquote, fell from the 10th floor <laughs> of the Statler Hotel in Manhattan. Even though we know that the most efficient accident is a simple, in a simple assassination, is a fall of 75 feet or more onto a hard service from the CIA training manual themselves. Yeah, that's, that's the, how they trained CIA mm -hmm. assets the to, best kill way to kill someone in the field was one of the best ways to make it look like a yep. simple accident was to just drop somebody from at least 75 feet. Like, they knew, like, yeah. it's not 75. They might live. Like, you got to make sure it's 75. It's part of the training manual. That's, That's crazy. insane, right? Like The one thing they don't tell you about Olsen in this article is if you watch the Wormwood documentary, which is great, uh, his son actually was a kid when it happened. And when he grew up, he started asking all these questions and became obsessed. And he's the one that found all this stuff out. His son did. And so, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The one yeah. thing they don't tell you is that Olson acting erratically, do you know what was really happening? He, on his acid trip, he had all these revelations about war, about pollution, about all of these things. He sure. woke up, he got jolted and had this spiritual awakening. And so he started basically acting erratically to them when he's like, hey, we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing that. He starts writing reports. He starts trying to get rid of these programs and sure. different things. And that's when they put him in a psych ward because they're like, we got to – it was essentially a re-education camp. They were trying to re-educate him because he had all of these amazing revelations when, he, when they dosed him. That's what happened. I mean, yeah, it's just going to – Put him in a box. Yeah, because he was just Shut kind of up. along for the ride. They Toss dose him, him off a ledge. They dose him. Throw he him has this ledge. awakening moment. He starts wigging out, and then they just they off him. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit left. There's some. There's some other good stuff. Continue. I mean, it it really the creepiest part about all of this is they go from okay, we're not going to give people drugs to MK Ultra them. We're gonna waterboard you yeah. to MK Ultra. Yeah, and then they start talking about the. That's war on the terror. craziest yeah. part. Um, is just the research they were doing during the first decade of the global war on terror. The CIA pursued mind control through more direct methods, i.e., enhanced interrogation. 
Um, the program employed psychological abuse, stress positions, and waterboarding, not just to make people talk, but also to discover scientifically rigorous and reproducible methods for compelling subjects to submit to the will of interrogators and lose all sense of personal agency. So, like, you getting an answer from somebody that just got waterboarded for how I don't even know how long you waterboarded somebody. I don't even want to know. Uh, uh, all I can imagine is it's terrible, and I don't want to let, have any context. Let me just say that all I remember is being dunked as a kid at the pool to where like you can't catch your breath. And I love my brothers and whatever, but yeah, we got rowdy sometimes. At the pool is like, man, I need to breathe. Like you got to let yeah. me up. Like I'm gonna have a panic attack. Yeah, and what I'm about to say is a fact. Anybody can look this up. George Bush is wanted for war criminals. In war other com- for war crimes in other countries, really, because of the torture. I, I mean, I don't know, and I waterboarding and everything that we're talking about that's come out now. It, it didn't even take that long for this to come out. You know, we signed the Geneva Convention, which says that you're not allowed to. Uh, chemical warfare is illegal. You can't uh, torture. And right. They didn't label it torture. So they're like going in this kind of gray just depends area. on how you label it, I guess. It's a hundred percent. I know, I know. Guantanamo it's Bay, that, the whole place was just for torturing people to to dial in their um, all their interrogation, and they were studying all those things. Well, okay, if you want, if you just want a, a I'll give you just a brief overview of how this was viewed. Um, the CIA hired a retired Air Force psychologist named James Mitchell to enact these methods, the, the waterboarding, et cetera. And Mitchell, too, saw himself as a scientist. As an informed source recounted to the journalist Jane Mayer, after Mitchell took over a case, he told the FBI agents that an interrogation, quote, was like an experiment when you apply electric shocks to a caged dog. After a while, he's so diminished he can't resist. When the agents argued that the subject of this experiment was a human being and not a dog, Mitchell retorted, science is science. Wow. There's some sick, sick, sick people out there. Here's the other craziest part of it. This is how I'm not even justifying it. But oh, I'm hey, Burton, thank say you. the craziness. Dang. Burton, that's what's up. What do we got? You got to read it, bud. Oh, yeah. oh, oh I got to read it. Um, <laughs> I'm just reading it. I am reading it, but you, you got to put oh, it verbally. Wow. You got to read it verbally. Uh, local <laughs> Legends, Burton Moran just posted it. What is it? A super sticker, super chat, a super... It's, it's a super, super giant green box that I appreciate you for, Burton. Uh, but it says, do you guys ever look into mysterious missing people cases like Brandon Lawson and or is that Brandon Swanson? Oh, you guys are looking names? fresh. Just saying. Oh, thanks, Burton. Appreciate you, man. Thank uh, you. So one of our goals for CryptidCon this year is to be able to talk to David Politis. And I'm going to try not to be full Will Ferrell and Elf yeah. when he first meets his dad. Because <laughs> we're but really, really hi. interested in the missing person stuff. Missing 411. Love it. Um, you know, I would love One to of my favorite things. be able to have a whole episode, deep dive episode or a guest or, you know, people that can t- contribute, talk to help, more. whatever. I want to be yeah. involved in but that effort. I'm going to look into this Brandon, uh, Brandon Lawson case. I would love to. For funsies. I got it. I wonder. You'll have to give us more context on that, Burton. I don't know. Is that Sess in the city said it haunted her? Is that that's not the guy from here in Columbus that went missing? Is I don't it? know. I feel like I've heard. There's it. a story heard like that it. in here in Columbus where there was a dude that was down at the Ugly Tuna that night. And oh just yeah, disappeared. Oh yeah. You know they what I'm talking about? That. Is that the I guy lived here? Is that the guy though? I don't know. I'll have to, we'll look. We'll look. Now you got Burton. You know me. <laughs> Got me on a uh, uh, wild goose chase now, but yeah, that's that's the article on the CIA and classified research and how 
God, here's another Will Ferrell reference. When Will Ferrell, when he did his audition for SNL, if nobody's ever seen this clip, it probably have. It's widely circulated. When he did his audition for SNL, he sat down in a chair in front of a camera by himself with like just a box of toys for cats. (laughs) And he would start playing with these toys and then he'd be like, he would turn around like he was answering the door to be like, no, no, Miss Simpson, just, you know, tell tell my three o'clock meeting I'm busy. And then be him like just playing with cat (laughs) toys again. And it was like... Showing that, like, you know, these CEOs and these people sitting at the tops of these high-rises yeah. are really in there, like, playing probably coked toys. out playing with cat toys or something, yeah. you know, or, you know, doing classified research for the CIA where they're cutting cats open and trying to turn them into atomic robots, you know, and... Trans-surveillance That's robots. what's going on. Yeah. When I think I'm, like, not, oh, like... Oh, but they don't do that stuff anymore. They're not doing that. Oh, come on. They're not doing that anymore, are they? You think so? When I feel like I'm Fisher Price or JV walking around, and you got, you know, of course they are the top of the top doing the lowest of the low. It's just like such a juxtaposition where you're like, how am I supposed to like rationalize that to myself that that's what's going on daily? Anyhow, I digress. Let's jump on to the next one. Hello. <laughs> All right, Mikey. This next one is a pretty interesting video that we came Legit. across. This interview with Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins. Is, Shout out. Love the Smashing is, uh, Pumpkins. Yeah, grew up listening to the Smashing Pumpkins. But this is a Howard Stern interview where they had a live in-studio, but he was playing acoustic covers, or not covers, but uh, playing jams, and he, they'd do a little back and forth. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a tiny between, desk concert yeah, in the basically. Stern studio. Um, so this is from, I think, 2018, if I remember correctly. Yeah, let's go. Ahead By the way, my it. friend, you made major news the last time you were here. Did you realize that? About the alien, uh, the yeah, shapeshifter. Yeah, you, you dropped a bombshell. Every paper picked it up. Let's just say I was with somebody once and, and I saw I saw a transformation that I can't explain. The person transformed into something other than human. Yes, I saw it. You were talking to someone. I wonder what that means. They Victor. said to you, look, something's going to happen well, here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show, I'm going to morph into something else. Imagine you're doing something and suddenly you you turn around and there's somebody else standing there. You're still standing by it? Absolutely. I know it happened. In fact, it happened twice. And nice. on top of that, what's amazing is we live in a world where, you know, I mean, look, I've been in public life on some level for 30 years. Yep. People treat it as if I'm crazy. crazy. Yeah. And it's like, I'm here to say, like, now maybe I had a hallucination but okay. I saw what saw, I saw. He saw what he saw. Right. You saw it. But what it's your is, reality. That's what I'm saying. So it's like... I want to know. To question somebody's reality is a strange thing. Right. The second time you saw a shapeshifter, where were you? <laughs> Probably at Darcy's house. It was the same... <laughs> it was the same person. <laughs> oh, it was. It happened. This happened with the same person twice. Oh. Billy, when will you announce who this person is so I can investigate? <laughs> Call Seriously. Uh, I wouldn't name names. But it's a famous person, right? I wish it was somebody famous. Yeah, because then that would be awesome. It's well, known famous. Wait, like Justin Bieber. If you release their name, they will be famous. They're shapeshifters. Yeah. <laughs> if I told you in private Go the ahead. story, could okay. you keep my confidence? Yes. All right. Now, here's the good thing about telling me something. Yeah, Within that's... a minute, I forget. Because I think everything is nonsense. I will tell you the story. You will? Yeah. And I will say. Off air. Though. Go ahead. Since we're on radio. Thank you. That the story is even more fantastical than you think. Wow. Can you give, can you give us something? The person was naked. Wait a second. Were you in bed with the shapeshifter? Were you making I love? I'll tell you in confidence. Holy mackerel. Now I'm with you. It was a woman. <laughs> what? You were you made Sucky love bus. to her. 
Ever we all experienced this? Did, did you? What? <laughs> oh, believe me, Dude, I've been with people who shapeshifted. I mean, right? Like, but their personalities—they were completely different people before and after. Okay, that's, okay, that's, that's good. That's good. Okay, but it's, okay. So we just so had. We hold on. Wait, 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 wait. You turn around. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. We just had the and everybody, everybody. I say everybody. Mike, you might know this chick. Stoner, you might know this meme now. Uh, TMN. I N R T M F I N R whatever it is, the chick on the plane that was like that. Oh yeah, that is not real. That was. And not I'm the, getting off of here. And yeah. She wigs out and leaves the jetliner. Yeah. Like yeah. So that person, he 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 transformed right. I think it happens. Yeah, I, don't I know. think it's like Men in Black, where like Will Smith sees that guy in the opening and he like blinks double eyelids, mm-hmm. and they're like, "What do you mean?" He blinked two sets of eyelids. He blinked twice. He's like, "No, he like blinked one set and then blinked well, another set." These are like different than like the like Born Not to Run. The reptilian shape shifters. Come on, man. We boy, know about the reptilians, right? Your boy David Ike is all about the the reptilian shape shifters. Do you know how and, many countries he's banned in? He can't even go to. Yeah, I know. He went too hard. He's writing nonsense like George R. R. Martin of Game of Thrones. I mean, I guess he is saying that, you know, the the royals are lizards and whatever. But I guess he's not going out and trying to, like, bring him down with a pitchfork and a torch. But whatever. David Icke, man, he's been out there a long time talking about that stuff. Yeah, I mean. Billy Corgan, what do you think he saw? You think Stern's got it right where he's like, you had. Stern sounds like he believed. You had relations with whoever this person was, be that whatever. And afterwards, they like shaped. I mean, what do you think? Mm-hmm. You believe in it? Shapeshifters? Sure. Really? I mean, why not? I mean, believe in it? I don't know. I mean, I have to. You think it could be real, though? I mean, you How think about, they could be hiding among us? What are they? What if they're hiding, but what are they? Are they just like the tall Nordics? The, yeah. Whatever they are. Like they have the ability to just. Like just like Men on, in Black, just like Ellis yeah. Island from outer space, like they come down here to hang out too. Like maybe. the reptilian thing was always a uh, like a hologram is the way people described it. Like well, there was the, a re- the reptilians are from the lower fourth dimension, <laughs> and they're vibrating higher than we are, and they can pop in and out of our dimension at will. Yeah, we'll go on that another subject another time. Let's yeah. let's. Let's go on to this next one. Do you want to go on and do this one? I think yeah, it's you should. a quick one. This is a shout out from uh, Necro RV. and some of the fellas and and Born Not to Run or I, um, some of you guys were talking about Fairy Circles Monday when we were in the premiere for Will Incredible History. Oh uh, yeah, and uh, you guys were talking about this. So hey, folk. Apparently, there's a giant study right now going on researching Fairy Circles. I don't know a lot about this. I know Bo Diddley, to quote you. I see. But, <laughs> but it's very, very interesting. Ooh, and let me. That's a good one. I don't know if I should tell this story. Let me. I'll tell the story after we. Uh, go ahead. We tell this. Uh, after we go through this. So Right on ahead. This is a, a CNN online story by Mindy Weisberg. Mysterious fairy circles identified at, identified at hundreds of sites worldwide, new study says. So round disks of barren dirt known as fairy circles look like rows of polka dots that can spread over miles over the ground. The phenomenon's mysterious origins have intrigued scientists for decades, and they may be far more widespread than once thought. Fairy circles were previously spotted only in the arid lands of southern Africa's Nambib Desert and the outback of Western Australia. 
but new study has used in artificial intelligence to identify vegetation patterns resembling fairy circles in hundreds of new locations across 15 countries on, a, on three continents. This could help scientists understand fairy circles. Uh, the new survey published Monday in the Journal of Proceedings uh, proceedings of the National Academy of Science, the researchers have analyzed data sets containing high-resolution satellite images of dry lands or arid ecosystems with scant rainfall from around the world. The search for patterns resembling fairy circles used a neutral network, a type of AI that processes information in a manner similar to that of our brain. The use of artificial intelligence-based models on satellite imagery is the first time it has been done on such a large scale to defend detect fairy circle-like patterns. Um, and so Dr. Emilio uh, Guardo, he's a data scientist. Um, he's got Multidisciplinary Institute for Environmental Studies at the University of Ilisante, Spain. Uh, and so there's potentially hundreds of fairy circle sites. And so first they study, uh, first the study author trained in the neural network to recognize fairy circles by inputting more than 15,000 satellite images taken over Nambia and Australia. Half of the images showed fairy circles and half did not. The scientists then fed their AI data set with satellite views of nearly 575,000 plots of land around the world, each measuring about 2.5 acres. The neutral network scanned vegetation in those images and identified repeating circular patterns that resembled patterns of known fairy circles, evaluating the circles, sizes, and shapes, as well as their locations, patterns, densities, and distribution. And so uh, the, the results showed 263 dry land locations uh, where the, there were circular patterns similar to fairy circles in Nambia and Australia. These spots were distributed, distri uh, distributed across Africa, Western Sahara, and the Horn of Africa. And we're also clustered in Madagascar, Midwestern Asia, as well as Central and South Australia. So basically, AI feeding all these images and then spitting out information about where other fairy circles are. And uh, oh, dude, AI is going to help us solve everything. It's going to be like right. the end of uh, 2023 is the Hitchhiker's year of AI. Guide to the Galaxy when the answer is 42. They just go right. to that giant robot. Yep. So basically, I mean, right now, the, these, the studies basically say they have no idea how these things are, are formed. Yeah. I don't know if anybody in the chat has more information on this. You guys can send me something that uh, if anybody has a theory on what these things are, if they're, um, you know, the only thing I can say is is uh, this uh, unlo undisclosed location, that this white buffalo ranch in Ohio that I visited. And you go hike up this hill and you go out to this woods and it's just got a really weird energy and there is an area down there that has a circle it's very very dry up there there's not a lot of stuff that grows but there's a circle up yeah. there and it reminds me of a fairy circle because i don't even know what that means though i just don't know what a fairy circle means i've never said i don't know what that means it, what is that so basically there it's dry sand it's sandy soil where these geometric circles appear and people call them fairy circles because they're, you know, dusted away in the in these. Uh, okay. Stoners pulling up images. By natural. Right. Um, oh, with the mushrooms, hey. Why would mushrooms do that? Mushrooms? Yeah, those are mushrooms grown in circles. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay, I'm with you now. I get it. Okay, the image with 
I don't know if that's Darby O'Gill and the little people in the middle of it, but yeah, it looks something like that. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm with you now. I mean, I think it's because it's like mythology or lore or cryptology or it's like paranormal that we didn't grow up with in the U.S. Land. as much. It's like a portal or yeah. some kind of enchanted land. I think of Eurovision. Yeah. When they go like bring offerings to the fairies. Yeah. Literally, like that is part. I, I think that's part of the lore too, of like the the interaction. If you have that as a contextual, paranormal, whatever, you go bring them gifts or offerings to hopefully get favor right. from them. And Necro said UFO tractor beam markings. That's the other yeah, I like thing that. is like landing spots, and that's what yeah. this place in, in Ohio in well, the hills made me think of. Yeah, sure. Is it seemed like. When you walk up there, it feels weird. It feels like you're stepping into a whole nother universe. It just has a vibe about it. Yeah. But it it just felt like a UFO. Either when you reach that area, like you just stepped onto a UFO or some kind of weird craft. But yeah. it's it's a landing zone of of you know potentially. Yeah. Well, Born on Throne had a couple cool comments. He said, "Would it be one? Would it be crazy if all these abnormal things were actual real? And our real world quote is only one part of what is actually going on. And it tripped off the thought in my mind of when I had microscopic cryptids. Yeah. Like Sasquatch can be Sasquatch, but maybe there's this cryptid that's microscopic, or yeah, maybe there's things going on in parallel. Or what if there are these fairy folk and fae folk that they're having like this entire universe?" carrying it on that we just never even see them, you know, right. that whole thing about perspective and how, you know, something our size or larger or contextual to us, it seems like maybe sometimes we anthropomorphize things so that it makes sense to us. And, and, and sometimes that might also hurt our ability to look at things uh, subjectively rather than objectively Yeah, and like really get the information out of it because, I don't know. There's just so many unanswered. Like, could there be fairies? Sure. Are there? I'm not sure. But, I mean, there's there's interesting arguments for it. I love it. This article is talking about dry patches and, and yeah. deserts. But, it, I mean, those images don't look like dry patches to me. It looks like somewhere in Wales or something. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, wherever there are fairies. They're all over. Yeah. Oh, fairy circle. On that one? There you go. How about this one? How to enter $1 million competition for uh, recording extraterrestrial activity on a ring device. <laughs> you believe it. Where did you say you got this article? Once again, uh, Ron Vaughn. Shout Ron out Vaughn. to Ron Shout Vaughn. Shout out to Ron Vaughn. Hey, and also uh, congrats. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Congrats on the baby. That's right. Uh, this came from Ron Vaughn, and I think Mikey actually explained to Ron how I had had the idea that I want to install ring. And somebody's probably going to. Whoever becomes a millionaire, billionaire from this. You said this whatever. on whoever, a Strange Happenings episode. Whoever becomes wealthy from this, just remember me. Yeah. It's all masking. But you said you were going to put a ring camera on top of your house. On the roof of the house. On the roof of the house. And everybody should put it on the, everybody's Everybody's house should have ring cameras on top. Remember what I said camera. earlier? We'll turn the entire world into an eyeball looking up. Yeah. At night. And there you go. We'll have all the time. Because nobody wants to sit there with your neck looking up all the night like it hurts. But anyhow, so now. Rings cashing in. Yeah. And this comes from USA Today, um, uh, October of this year. And Ring is showing that their surveillance cameras record more than just suspicious human and animal activity. They're also ready to capture any extraterrestrial beings. The home security company has announced their million-dollar search for extraterrestrials competition where they encourage users to film an extraterrestrial sighting with their ring device, the company announced Wednesday. 
How do you encourage people to try to film an extraterrestrial with your ring device? You know what it says? No purchase necessary to enter. How the hell are you going to capture... You need a ring a, device. A UFO I think, on right? a ring. Yeah, you need the ring device. So, yeah, you have to buy the ring device. So, there is a purchase required. Sorry, ring. I hate to call you out. Maybe I, I got that wrong. Hold on. Let's just also say, I think they're setting the bar a little low here for price. Million bucks? That's it. Million bucks isn't bad. I don't care. It's not bad for, you know, rings not like altering Apple, bro. the course of human history is only worth a million dollars. Some video. We have better video than a ring camera. We have. F-16s outfitted with, like, crazy thermal images that are being recorded. But this is extraterrestrial life form. Oh, these are, yeah, these are ETs. Anyhow, if you win, if you win and they give you this astounding million dollars in this heightened, you know, warmed climate that we're in financially right now, you know, I'm sure it'll go a long way. But you'll be awarded with $50,000 payments a year for two decades, the company said. Whatever, I'll take that. Um Customers all over the world capture life's unexpected and delightful moments through their ring video doorbells and cameras. Now you can be rewarded for watching and catching an otherworldly sighting. That's the press release. You know what? This also plays back to my conspiracy that ring doorbell cameras are basically the new America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, yeah, totally. Everybody on a ladder oh, yeah. or with a Sawzall or an extension this or yep. a car that goes out of park there or your driveway is iced over this or... Slipping on ice. It doesn't stop. In front of your door. <laughs> and that's why I'm saying, I think, we, you know, we've got this like... I've got this kind of like loose working theory where I'm kind of like, okay, we're all biological robots. I, I'm saying humans in general. This is one of my thoughts. So we're all these biological robots. We're all taking in the universe and we're all having this experience and the way I'm experiencing it and you are, and we're feeding all this back to wherever our consciousness goes when we jump out of this body back to the the, the giant ocean of consciousness where we came from, whatever. Maybe if that's the what's all, happening. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like we're trying to harness and gather all this information and knowledge and that's what I'm like man might as well just turn our entire world into a giant eyeball we also need to make a dyson sphere around the sun and harness all the energy of that like we're still like a zero on the scale of one to four of i think like the fermi like i don't know if it's fermi or whatever the index is or like our actual level of advancement like we're not out of stage zero yet just to yeah. let you know we're getting a zero on our report card go ahead oh <laughs> uh, we good on the ring camera Everybody, uh, we will Andy. sponsor ring cameras. Everyone's ring cam- Andy, uh, Andy Morales says, everyone's ring camera footage is going to look like the scene in Signs. <laughs> You're going to have Joaquin going, hey! Yeah. There he is. Oh, man. Could you imagine? Swing away, Meryl. That dude, the, that family in Nevada that got freaked out. Hey, we haven't talked about that a lot, the Pelicaras. Still in Peru, they're still getting hit by laser beams and whatever's going on down there oh, with the, the flying aliens. Yeah, yeah, that stuff's the, not over. The, the the face peelers are still down there. Yeah, just it's letting you still know, happening. Yeah, yeah there's that isn't over. Man, there's so much stuff going on. It's tough to right? revisit some of those topics. Hawaii just about. got lit up like a freaking burnt marshmallow. That's already yeah. old news. Oh yeah, that's Ukraine's still fighting along. Israel and Gaza are burning up now. I mean, it's yeah. well, we're about to get Taiwan's a, about to kick off. We're again about to here. be in another proxy war. We got giant, you know, aircraft carriers. The two largest ones I think that we've ever constructed are over there right now. Are heading there. Yeah. They showed a wake behind the. I don't even know the name of the aircraft carrier now. It's some ex-president or whatever, but. They showed the wake like of like two weeks ago, 
in the wake from after like everything happened in in um, the Middle East, what have you. And that wake is just like you can tell that that thing is like full nuclear reactor engines go. Like it's going as fast as it can go. Yeah, it's wild stuff. Some wild stuff right now. We'll try to keep ourselves entertained with the craziness of the strange, and uh, hopefully everything will figure a way to resolve itself. Oh, you know what, Bob? One one thing we never talked about, everybody. I wanted to let everybody know, Bob actually came out to Lost Lands with us this year. Eric was our co-host after Lost Lands, so we Lost didn't really talk so about it great. much. But Bob I didn't got put to, my hoodie on tonight. Yeah, Bub got to do Lost Lands with us. Amazing. He rocked the PTZs. Uh, you were PA kind of swing, and then you got invited over. Um, by the way, shout out to Sean and all Tour the gigs. all the fellows from Tour Gigs. Oh yeah. Um, shout out to Justin and Josh. Absolutely. And, and uh, director Chris on stage two killed it. Uh, stage two. Still the best stage. Stage two is dope. just saying. Stage two is fun. looks the best. We had stage the best camp. Fun. We had Cody Stoner uh, as one of the cam ops. I'll say this two. though, man. Stage one was like the juggernaut. Like when you went out stage to main front hit, it's a behemoth. I went out to that pit only it's like a, two or three times, and every time I went out there, I felt like I should have had the face mask from uh, uh, Gladiator, like getting ready to do battle. Yep. Like it was. And we put you Impressive. out. On, you got on camera and got on some cam. Yeah, yeah. 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 You fun. were you were chomping at the bit to get out there. I was all over. I went to the jib. I saw the drone. I watched the guy doing the FPV drone work. Mm. I watched front of house. I was stuck in the trailer for three days, but I still had a good time. I'm glad you got to really experience I had working a, lost. Lines. I had an absolute blast. Yeah, and I, I think. It was funny because the first day I told everybody how excited I was and I was going to be jumping around. And I think everybody thought by day three, this guy's going to be just waxed. Bub did such a good job. I was that so ready to They go. tried to steal him. Stage one tried to steal <laughs> you from us. You did too Appreciate good of a job. Yeah. You, uh, yeah. you rocked the PTZs too hard, bro. Well, yeah, I thought PTZs I was in trouble. PTZs are pan, tilt, zoom. They're robo cams. They're fun. Any of you out there. Are... You play video games, you could probably handle yeah. them. They're fun. Yeah. But yeah, it was Lost Lands was exceptionally... Wonderful and needed and really kicked off like just a nice little vacation refresh week for me. So Always good to get out yeah. there. Yeah, it was nice. It, it's so weird, too. You would think in an environment like that, it's so loud. You would think you would not find. I found it peaceful because you'd the put in your headphones, are, and it's just this like that bass is just warmth. It's almost like you're being hugged the whole time you're there, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's almost like you have somebody hugging you as you walk around because there's so much bass just like oh, a lot of bass hitting your body. And if your ears feel good, it doesn't hurt. Like yeah. it's fantastic. And if you bring one of the inflatable Chilbo Schwagens air chairs, Chilbo Schwagens, and if air you chairs. sit in 110 dBs <laughs> listening to bass, you will feel like you're in the middle of a subwoofer. It is yeah. an interesting experience. Yeah. Um, very very cool. Very cool community. Lost Lands, I give you an A-plus grade. That was so much fun. Yeah, much love. We will, uh, I hope to come back out there again. Strange Road will be back out of Lost Lands. Yeah. We'll get you out there again. Speaking of Lost Lands, let's get to the go ahead. Yes, that's what made me think of it, actually. Go right on ahead. Uh, this one, shout out Nancy. Nancy, if you're in the there chat, you if you are watching, Nancy, this one's for you. Um, and we we are, uh, this one is Four Foot Skull, found in Mississippi Ravine, belonged to ancient sea, gra- uh, sea dragon expert, says this is by Mark Price. Um, 
And a terrifying four-foot-long skull with giant teeth still attached has been found in northeast Mississippi by a paleontologist who literally stepped over it. Wow. George Phillips recalls he was standing in a creek hollering for his wife to join him when he found what amounts to a prehistoric sea monster. How cool. I looked down only to be amazed uh, at what I had stepped across, the broken remains of a mosasaur skull and neck, said Phillips, the curator of paleontology at Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. It was very much the color of the muddy chalk in which it was embedded. So I suppose it was easy to miss at first glance. The large fossil had been identified as a giant marine lizard notorious for its multiple rows of curved teeth protruding from the roof of its mouth, paleontologists say. Mosasaurs range from 30 to 50 feet in length, depending on the genus, and would eat pretty much anything, which would fit into their <laughs> enormous mouths. So at the time of that these were alive... Basically, in the ocean, that was the time where the ocean was the most dangerous place in the history of the Earth. Of all the billions of years. The so what you're telling me is now the, the Mosas- most calm it's ever been. The Mosasaur, you didn't want to be out in the ocean during those times. The ocean is the most chill it's ever been. The biggest. J- Literally, so, still to yeah, this day. Yeah. Yeah. So the Mosasaur is the at the end of Jurassic Park world that comes out and eats that freak genetic freak uh the raptor yeah um endo the endo raptor maybe no that's the second one i forget which uh but jurassic park world at the end spoiler alerts if you guys uh haven't watched that shame on you it's yeah, a great really movie. <laughs> uh the second and third one aren't great but the first jurassic world was really good shame on you so the the freaky he just gets done beating up the T-Rex, and then this freaking Mosasaur comes out of nowhere, out of the out of the sea, and just snatches, and just him. snatches him and pulls him down. That's a no, Mosasaur. Thank no, thank you. Um, giant, giant, huge T. So some of these, uh, yeah, some of these images huge. on Facebook, we they had a link here to the Facebook. If we want to show some of these pictures, real uh, a little bit, but uh, the teeth are incredible. I mean, just absolutely crazy. Uh, so the, basically they found just the head. The rest of the body, according to the article, is down deeper into the mud. So eventually they'll get that. But they were just more concerned about getting the head out because it's the most well-preserved. Right. And look at those teeth, dude. That's wild. And then there's that big chunk. So this chunk weighed a 1,000 pounds. They Good dug grief. down just to get that head out. So the rest of the body is probably down and in, to the left um, buried into the ground, which I think eventually yeah. they said they're going to they're going to try to get it, um, but it could take years and years for this thing to be completely dug up. Oh yeah, dirty I'm job. Sure. Check out old boy. Well, I said we've been to digs out in um, I don't even remember what state it was in. If it was Wyoming, probably like Utah, or Wyoming, South Montana. Dakota. But <laughs> they basically built the building over the dig site of all of these woolly mammoths because mm-hmm, there was this mm-hmm. mud pit where yeah. all of these mammoths somehow just like stepped into it and they all died at the same spot. And it was just like, right. They're all just piled up there. So they just, yeah, they dug down like 20 or 30 feet into the dirt and then they built the building around it. And then you can yeah. see all of the dig and it's wild. Look how nice and neat that is. They cast it all up. That's yeah, a lot of work. So that way when they start pulling it out, that cast yeah. gives it, oops, that cast gives it some structure. Yeah, wait so, till the government it, comes in and just takes it from you. Well. Eminent domain. University. Yeah, they'll take Hopefully the university steal it. can hold on to it. Snatch it right away. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so this next one, I don't know if you want to do this one, Bob. Um, sure. This one's from... 
Shout out to Born Not to Run. Oh, hello. Facebook group, Born Not to Run. Toss us. Thank you, Born Not to Run. This Coming from the you. dark side, the Smithsonian. <laughs> the Smithsonian. <laughs> the SmithsonianMag.com. Sorry. Just, you know, the Smithsonian and their warehouses of stuff that they keep piled up there and giant skeletons that they somehow misfile away and, yep. and acts your, of Congress that you're going to need to oh, get in to see the Gobekli Tepe stones or whatever else. Jay clones running around working right, at the gift that's shop. Right, that's right. Jay from Cryptos Love of the you, Jay. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, this is from them, and this is from the science part of that. And it's North America's oldest known footprints point to earlier human arrival to the continent. New dating methods have added more evidence that these fossils date to 23,000 years ago, pushing back migration to the Americas by thousands of years. Yep. It's from this again. year, October 5th. You, you just know. can't. And I said it last week with Eric when Eric co-hosted. Shout out to Eric Rollin, too. Guys yeah. in the chat, did Eric kill it or not? Right. Did Eric crush it? Much appreciation. We had a good time. Ran into him the other day. Yeah. Eric we need Rollin, to get him back on here. Shout out to him. He's playing some gigs this weekend. If you guys are in Columbus, I there believe they're, they're playing somewhere. But OG players, go check them out. There you go. Um, but it, we had an article like this with Eric. And it's just like every week. You can't. Which one was it? Oh, I can't remember. Was it the the five hundred thousand year old settlement in Africa? Yeah, it's like the wooden structure. Yeah, that they, they found? pushed back another like hundred thousand years. Half or a something. million years, bro. Yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, not even. Not what you call a lightweight. No. Um, and Will was talking about footprints in in Mexico that he had found out on our yeah that white he, sands in white sands. I went there. I've been there. I just didn't know that that was out there. He blew it. Yeah, <laughs> he blew it. <laughs> Oh, boy. So here we go from the Smithsonian. Uh, when picking up a tired toddler on a long walk or hunting and confronting a giant sloth, the humans walking the wetlands around a shrinking lake were simply going about their lives in prehistoric North America. They could never have imagined that their everyday acts would create an incredible, enduring tableau for us to ponder for thousands of years later. Their fossilized ancient footprints found at White Sands National Park humanized them, revealing the actions of their lives in ways that static bones and stones and tools cannot. Footprints can't tell us who these prehistoric humans were, yet a new study suggests something very surprising about this group. They were living in what's now New Mexico, likely during the Ice Age some 23,000 years ago. Thousands of years earlier than the ancestors of modern Native Americans are generally believed to have arrived on the continent. Uh-oh, we got a problem. We got, a big problem. Mystery. got a big problem here. Somebody's got to get a work finally and quit uh, just publishing the same old tired story. Uh, Clovis what? Okay, Clovis Ovens, what? huh? I mean, Clovis up until recently. I'm sorry, I don't really know my history that well, so I was just throwing out a name. Clovis, Clovis and Dennis is Ovens, a, maybe the Dennis Ovens. The Clovis more, people, right. 7,000 uh, 7, BC or 7,000 years ago, that was the first people in the Americas. I've always felt like that was a joke. It's now it's 100%. And there's still people <laughs> holding on. Clovis, when? Um, there's still people holding on to this. Well, there, in, there was a San Diego, the Catalina Islands. You know, where they yeah. found, uh, yeah. we covered that, where that's like, you know, what was it, like 20-some thousand years where they found yeah. tools and bones and I think somebody just liked the like slogan that. that they came up with, and they just wanted their theory to stick. And it's, again, the science of, you know, measuring theories by headstones. Got to wait till whoever dies so that the actual science can get on about it. Yep. And yada, named, yada, after, yada. named after Clovis, New Mexico, which is where these, these points were found. Right. And, you know, the points are really cool, but... Uh, those cultures, and there's similar stuff they found in Europe, which is really weird. Uh, so how does that make sense? There's Clovis points that look identical to ancient cultures in Europe. 
It's literally the same exact techniques. I think they just aren't Very good at what strange. they're doing, and they're doing even a poorer job at, at writing a narrative, right? They're bad at covering Getting it up is what out. I'm saying. They're bad at writing a cover story. They're just bad mm-hmm. at it, you know? Nothing is uh, nothing is as good as the truth, man. Um, the authors of a study published Thursday in Science put the footprints into the spotlight by, uh, back in 2021 by publishing research that dated ancient seeds found in layers with the prints to 21,000 to 23,000 years ago. Now, in an attempt to corroborate those controversial dates, the researchers' new study has employed two additional dating methods. They have dated three... Uh, they have dated tree pollen from Ice Age conifers and quartz grains in sediment. Both lines independently confirm the earlier date range, according to the authors, a conclusion that raises fascinating concerns and questions about who these humans were, where they came from, and what happened to them, obviously. Even after thousands of years, the striking array of footprints found in New Mexico's White Sands National Park evokes a strong human connection between those who view them and those who made them. Quote, the incredible stories they tell us could never be told with artifacts or fossil bones alone, says co-author uh, Kathleen Springer, a geologist uh, with the U.S. Geological Survey. Um, one set of prints appears to have been made by a woman and a toddler who intermittently walked on its own and then was picked up and carried. So trying to teach them or maybe they got tired, you know, so. Take it tired, bro. Trust you, me. You can literally see this playing out, though. Like, that's the coolest Walk part a about it bit, later. Pick them up. I've yeah. been there on the way to Niagara Falls. Right. When my kid was four or five. Right. Carried her basically the whole hike. So they could pick that up from looking at one set. From looking at another tracks, you know, they said they could tell the story of a group of ancient hunters apparently stalking a giant sloth. Shout out Michael Strayer. Uh, their, <laughs> prints, their prints follow the animal's prints and at times appear inside the sloth's own. So they're they're stepping in it in Maybe the sloth's Maybe them sloths prints. made it up to New York, bro, and they're just hanging out up there. You know? Who knows? Who knows? And giant land sloths. Yeah, uh, that would put before – that's pre-flood. That's pre-Younger Dry. So the, the sloths, those large fauna were, would have been around then. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The prints are located in the Tularosa Basin, a desert area home to the world's largest stretch of gypsum sand dunes, which covers some 275 square miles. But tens of thousands of years ago during the last ice age, the ecosystem was dramatically different. Then the basin was home to prairie-like grasslands, stands of conifer trees, and a large body of water known as Lake Otero. That's crazy. Like, just, it just goes to show you, like, oh, everything's a desert here. Like, okay, well, thousands or millions of years ago, that was the ocean. Like, it just a sea, yeah. Just the change and w- even the permanence of what we perceive as permanent, just the, the only real permanence is change, right? Climate change, the climate only permanent has thing always is change. Been changing. I mean, Serpent Mound area was an inland sea. Yeah. Down near Cincinnati and, and uh, what's that state park we used to go to? Houston Woods. That was right, all in, in inland sea. You can find fossils on those creek beds. And, right. And there's coral. They're actually stemmed coral everywhere right. in those beds. And you could go down there, and if you wanted to, you could check it. I wouldn't recommend it, but you, you could get yourself some legit coral fossils. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not going to read the rest of the article too much just because it goes into the debate of, oh, how is it this old and this and that? You know, they they got to struggle with the uh, we established we science. Know. But we don't know. Let's be honest. I think they're pretty close to we having this figured out that and you. this timeline has got to be revised. We know that. It might not even be 23. But anyway, here's, here's the final paragraph that I think will help. For many years, archaeologists believed that the first Americans arrived on the continent some 13,000 years ago, when the last ice age was dwindling to a close and retreating. Walls of ice made it possible to cross a river 
or to cross over a thawing land bridge they from Siberia here. to Alaska. They were already here. But over the last half century, many sites have provided evidence to challenge that theory. Migrants could have arrived earlier, 15 to 16,000 years ago, or perhaps more than 20,000 years ago, yes. most likely by following routes along the Pacific coast. <gasps> Still, the bulk of archaeological evidence relates to a migration after the last glacial maximum, which ended around 19,000 years ago. How about this? Arisa Balu, Arisa Balu's researcher, following animal cur- animal currents, the turtles. Shout out to Arisa and his family. We were very, very saddened to hear about Arisa's uh, Arisa's death. I know. Yeah. Um, you know, we uh, we did a little shout out post necro. Thank you so much for that image. That was awesome for you letting us use that. Um, but that gave him a lot of joy. Oh my God! Necros the Ninja post. Turtle picture—he he loved absolutely it. loved it. Yeah. BJ was like, he could not stop smiling. He brought it up several times, I guess. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then BJ, I, love I think it. BJ even popped in and, and said, "What well, was up to Necro in the in the in the comments?" I think so. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, um, Balu, sir, you forever be looking down on us, riding your cosmic turtle. You will be missed. Amazing dude. We'll we'll keep your name and your research alive. There you go. What a great way to end the episode. A little shout out to well done. Balu, sir. Yeah. Your, your boy. Um, but yeah, following currents, of course. The Tamil people were here. The you know, you have the connection with the Dogon that, that Daryl Nichols is talking about. Oh wow. And, and connecting with the um you know, the all the ancient cultures of Mexico, the Olmec. Yeah. So Sure. I'll buy read, it. Read that one. Shout out to Kyle from Hollow Sky. His grandpa just passed away a couple hours ago. Kyle, Sucks, sorry man. to hear that, brother. Um, our condolences are with you, buddy. Um, I'm sure your grandfather was an amazing guy. Um, I have no grandparents funny. left, so I know how you feel. I haven't had one since 2013. Yeah, 20, uh, 2010 for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. Grandparents rule. Grandma's rule. My grandmas were awesome. Yeah. yeah. You had a really great grandma. Your grandma was my neighbor. They're great. Yeah. She was fantastic. She was always always treated me right. Went to a lot of musicals with her. Kyle's grandpa just celebrated his 73rd wedding anniversary. Wow, isn't that something? 73 years, bro. <laughs> did, did you just get an anxiety attack? <laughs> That's his grandpa. That's my, I think my dad's 73 or 74. Right. Yeah. My dad is 73 years old. I was just, Imagine that's why I was being like, married for 73 years. That's a, my parents have been married long, 50 years. Yeah. It's another 23. Yeah. Like, wow. 10 in. Well, I know all you guys are probably chomping at the bit to hop over to Hollow Skies Night Shift. There you go. You don't want to miss it. Hop on over there, guys. We're going to wrap this up. Everybody go follow Necro Mechanimal on Instagram, uh, making all the post-show, pre-show edits for us and a whole bunch of other podcasts. Um, you know, I feel like there was something that I was going to shout out earlier, but I kind of I completely forgot it again. What do you think it is? Um, I'm not sure. Something that we have coming up that I was going to shout. Like show. a show? Maybe. What do we have coming up Monday? What episode do we have? No idea. Stoner? Oh. You know what episode's coming I, out Monday? I could take a guess, but I'm not sure. Is it I'm Travis sure. Roy? I think we'll we have we have Travis Roy from Ancient Giants of America Instagram. Okay. Um, he's been on a lot of different podcasts. You guys may have heard of him. 
or uh, you know heard about him, but he's the dude that's been documenting giant skeleton accounts from newspapers all across the country, the world. Oh yeah, but you know a little bit of a sneak peek into that episode. Some of it's about giants, but a lot of it is about Travis's personal experiences out in the it's woods. Pretty good, yeah, yeah. dude. It, another. I gotta be honest. We've, very we've been going at blinding speed. Very much a left turn. I didn't expect that episode to go the way it did. So yeah. Monday, guys, we got a brand new episode. Check it out, you guys. Our, our new schedule is every Monday interview release, and then strange happenings every other week. Um, we are working on. Uh, we really want to live stream more. We want to, you know, maybe d- develop a different show or try to find something else where we can be. A, yeah. We love this engagement. Like the streaming is the most fun part. Uh, we does, love that. It does come to it can be a lot on the front end to constantly be flipping live streams. So but we want to find a way to uh, do this more often. You know, once a week would be great yeah. to stream. something. we're going to get something cooked up. Don't don't worry. Yep. Don't worry. Um, we're going to cook something up. But uh, we're back. Yeah, I think we're back in full swing. We've been hitting on all cylinders. I think we got a good uh, cycle. I think we're pumping out things regularly enough for me that I like. I feel. Can we let the cat out of the bag about the Halloween episode? If that's all good to go for you, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's 100% going to happen. Oh, okay. Uh, Red team. Quick announcement, guys. (laughs) We are having. It's Monday's the 30th this year. So Halloween's on the 31st. That's a Tuesday. On Monday the 30th, we have none other than D.A. Roberts there you go. joining us for a special live stream. We're going to be streaming that probably 9 p.m. Uh, you know D.A., he's a night owl. He doesn't start anything before 8 p.m. Anything, Put whether it's writing. Coffee. <laughs> Jeez, Necro's ready for that six-hour live stream. Uh <laughs> We're going to break a record on this you one. You give dude. me a couple of uh, of uh, family-sized Chico sticks and I'm good. <laughs> I'll 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 be your Huckleberry. Uh, so guys, keep I'll an eye out for that. It for is that happening. One. You'll see all the promos for it, but uh, just to keep an eye out if any of you DA Roberts fans out there. Uh, we got your back. We love DA's DA is the best. DA is one of the reasons why our show early on um, really took a, got a lot of traction. Yeah. Um, going on his show several times, him coming on our show. I mean, he was episode seven. We were. This is the very first episode we did out of this studio. And we accidentally. He was the first episode we did with this setup. With a guest. Right. Crypticon preview was the first one. But with DA another was, person. Yeah. It was he, that cycle. was the first time we were looking at somebody on these screens like they were right, right there. And it was like, right. I remember that was the, the day I had the moment where I was like, what's happening? Yeah. I felt like I had been abducted right. into this studio. Because <laughs> we did. We did abduct you. Uh, <laughs> Stoner and I have been plotting for months how to abduct you and get you down here. Like ended down here with these bright lights in front of my eyes. And I was like, this is strange. What am I doing? Like <laughs> felt like Garth. I'm in Wayne's basement, but it's not Wayne's basement. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. And then I was like, I think I got it. I think I understand what's going on here. This is cool. I like this. Yeah. This is a place to talk about things, and I like to talk. It's the bro zone. It's the B zone. I think that's it. Yeah. What else we got? Put this baby to bed. No uh, more cats to let out of the bag, right? No, but please, okay. guys, review, share, review, review, review. We really, really appreciate it. It helps out so much in Apple Podcasts. Um, it we, absolutely does. We uh, switched, switched up our genre a little bit. We're now more in, in, in shows with that are uh, more paranormal and more 40 and related. 
um, yeah. which is natural sciences. Figuring some stuff and out. And so we kind of flipped into a new genre. It's taken us a little bit to kind of build up and and uh, get some of that movement. But writing the reviews is really, really going to help. Um, send it to people. Tell them. Yeah. Tell your friends. Tell your cousin. Just give us a five-star. You don't even have to write anything. Write a haiku. Just, yeah. Yeah. Haikus are short. What is that? I don't even know. It's like four or five lines. I don't even know. I don't know the proper method of a haiku. That's too much work. Don't worry. I'm sure Chat GPT could haiku a a result for us. Three lines. Three lines. Three lines. (laughs) Three lines. Thank you, so bro of Diz. You could give us just a high instead of a whole haiku. Just give us a high as a review. Oh, my God. How about that? I just shortened a haiku to a high. Yep. Three lines. Just give us one. Yeah. All right. That's it for me. I'm going to. Yeah, you guys know where to find us: Instagram, TikTok, Twitter at the Strange Road. You're awesome. Um, hit us up. Um, you know w- w- we're here. We're we're always trying to do our best to answer anybody back that's hitting us up, DMing us, commenting. Yep. Whatever it is, open line of communication with the fellas. So we do try. Uh, couldn't do it without you guys. You are all the best. Go check out Burton from Local Legend. Legends. See what he's got cooking. Um, who else do we have in here? We had. Uh, some other uh, content creators. You gotta, you have to scroll. I go hang out on some of these guys' channels. Listen to their shows. Give them some love. Um, we're out. Love, peace, and chicken grease. Mopar Phil. Later. Oh, that's all right, Phil. No You're worries, good, dude. Peace, brother. <laughs>